Today's show is brought to you by my friends at Winefellas. Winefellas is your wine club for small allocation, hard to find natural wines from around the world. They specialize in organic and biodynamic wines that are made using traditional winemaking methods, but with minimal intervention. They're free of added sugar and chemical additives. They're low in sulfites. They're bottlings the wine world describes as, quote, natural wines. These are wines as they were meant to be enjoyed with nothing standing between you and pure expressive fruit. What I love most about Winefellas, aside from the fact that they only source the best natural wines in the world, but they also go the extra mile by giving you a fact sheet on each bottle that contains authentic alcohol content, residual sugars, sulfur dioxide and parts per million, pH, and acidity. Learn more about Winefellas by visiting them at winefellas.com. That's W-I-N-E-F-E-L-L-A-S.com. And be sure to use the code FEDANDFIT for $10 off your first wine club shipment. Welcome back to another episode of the Fed and Fit Podcast. I am your host, Cassie Joy Garcia, and I'm thrilled to have you join me today. Uh, so today is part two of what is likely to be a four-part listener Q&A series. So what, what we did is I collected some questions. You guys submitted awesome ones via a call for questions a little bit ago on social media, and we've got them organized last Time we had a Q&A podcast episode. You can find part one, of course, on the blog or in iTunes, wherever you're listening to this from. Uh, you can find that. That episode really focused on all of your pregnancy questions, right? We talked about pregnancy, pregnancy fitness, and pregnancy nutrition. And I am apparently very long-winded, <laughs> and so, uh, which is why we think this series might take a little bit longer. So today we're focusing on uh, semi-related. We're focusing now on postpartum, your questions about postpartum, postpartum fitness, and baby. Okay, and then the last couple episodes that we will zero in on on have to do with beauty, business, cooking, Gus, mindset, nutrition, of course, uh, and then a little bit more about safer skincare. Alrighty, well, let's go ahead and jump in without further ado. (laughs) Uh, our first question is from Stacy underscore Marie. She asks, what are your must-have items for postpartum baby or self-related? It seems a lot of people buy all these gadgets that get used once or twice and that's it. Also, do you pump for night so your hubby can help with the feedings or are you doing it solo? Great question, Stace. I hope it's okay. I just abbreviated your name even further. <laughs> um, okay, so must-have items for postpartum goodness, um, or baby. You know, when we went on my blog, if you have not already seen this article or this blog post I wrote to put together, I posted my entire baby registry. And I think the post is called my baby registry. I shared that entire baby registry. I had done, of course, a lot of research on safer products for baby, right? Um, I tried to source wherever possible, uh, materials that didn't omit VOCs, volatile organic compounds, right? So the mattress was very important to me, the changing table pad, um, everything from the disposable diapers we're using while she's really young to the 
uh, cloth diapers we're planning on using later. And then I also, of course, have lots of gear in there. I mean, I have something for everything. I also have notes um, for mom, right? What are some good things to put on your list? And whether you have an actual registry or not, it, I, I just, there's so much research. Anyone listening who has put together their own list like this before and kind of spearheaded it by yourself a little bit into the dark, it's a pretty overwhelming, extensive process. So, and it's also riddled with a lot of personal choice because there are certain things that are going to be important to you um, that may not be important to everybody else. So you kind of have to navigate and put on your thinking cap a little bit. So this being our first baby, I, you know, it's at this point we, or when, when I was writing that list, we didn't know what we didn't know, right? There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of information out there and experience that we hadn't had yet and didn't know what questions to ask, but I did a good amount of research. I thought I covered as many bases as possible, but going into having this baby, we, Austin, my husband and I, it was really important to us to not just get everything, Right. We, I mean, if you look at the baby registry, it looks like there's a lot of stuff on there, but I did want to take a semi-minimalistic approach if possible. So instead of getting one of every single gadget out there, we wanted to, and just see what baby likes, we kind of picked one thing from all the categories, uh, and we're just going to make it work, you know? And so that's kind of the approach I went in with. Now, what has she really loved? I would say since she's still so little, uh, she's not really holding herself up yet. She's just now two months old. Uh, Since she's not really holding herself up yet, when we sit down at the dinner table, I have found a rock and play uh, and Google it or you can pull up the baby registry to, to grab a link to the exact one that we got. But it's essentially like a nice little low to the ground, kind of a mini bassinet little seat thing that is perfect for a newborn, keeps them supported and safe, and it will very slowly rock. Uh, You plug it in. And we scooted that over next to our kitchen table. We'd put her in that. I'd feed her, change her, put her in that, and we'd have our supper. And at least that's the plan. That doesn't always work that way. But I would say the majority of the time it did. Uh, And she was great in that. It was something that we could set her down and look at her, chit-chat with her. Maybe she'll fall asleep. Uh, but she could be really close to us next to the table and it's lightweight enough that we could move it back and forth because uh, our kitchen table is kind of sort of in the middle of our um, our home space. So that was one piece that we thought was really important and we're really glad that we have it. Um, what else? The Docatot. I'm a big fan of our Docatot. Uh, now, I don't really want to go too far into the weeds of sleeping decisions because it's still we're still so fresh we're only two months in and and I know that these are especially charged waters and so I don't really I don't know enough to really be an advocate for any one particular direction if that makes any sense we're just kind of flying by the seat of what works for our family right now Uh, but I have found the docatot whether you use it as an actual co-sleeper or you use it to just kind of be a lounger for the baby uh, it's been really helpful. So where do we use it? In a couple places, um, of course, we can use it in. If if you do decide to co-sleep, it's a safer way to put the baby in the bed with you, right? Have a little bumper around it. And that's one thing if co-sleeping is something that you're curious about. But what I've really enjoyed it for is the lounging aspect. So say in the living room, if I want her next to me, but she maybe sometimes she just doesn't want to be held because sometimes 
we hold Gray pretty much, pretty much 24-7. She's in one of our arms. But there are some times where she gets a little kicky and just wants to be flat. Gosh darn it. I feel like that's what she'd say. Just put me down, please. So I put her in this docketot right next to me on the couch and she's as happy as can be. She lays there in there, looks around. She's safe because she's got, she's in this little contained lounger thing. So I know she's not going to roll off the couch or fall into a crack. I know that it's, it's good for her. Um, also because it does have that little bumper ridge around it, I'll prop her up in there and put her little elbows underneath her on the edge of it. And it gives her a really good boost for tummy time, right? And tummy time is that exercise that helps infants build those neck muscles where they start to lift their little heads up and look around. So, oh my gosh, I could go on and on. Those are, I would say those are two, as far as gadget gears go, some sort of a lounger. I like the Docatot. And some sort of a portable, easy to move around little equipment that we can put her in that gets her off the floor, um, but it's easy to put next to the dining room table. We've taken it with us, you know, for Sunday dinners with my parents. It's it's easy to put her in that. It's a good price point. Um, that rock and play is about a hundred dollars, which sounds nutty, but um, goodness, baby soothers get pretty pretty expensive. Uh, if you haven't priced them before. Okay, um, and you also asked, let's see, do you pump for nights uh, so your hubby can help with the feedings or are you doing it solo? Um, I'm actually not currently pumping at, pumping at nighttime or pumping for nighttime feedings. Uh, you know, I, man, I'm sure every mother has their own personal experience when it comes to pumping, but my experience was... I did, I started off, I really didn't enjoy it that much. No, my, what I've read and of course my personal experience is that my body has started to make exactly what she needs. And at the beginning, I started pumping right away because I knew I wanted to get into a schedule, right? I want to pump, let's say every morning. I want to pump at least to try to get my body expected to produce a little bit extra. And I didn't enjoy it because I felt like I had to sit there for so long and I got so little milk Um, and it just, it was just so sad. Uh, So I, I didn't really go in with a huge extraordinary plans to have bottles so that Austin could feed her uh, because it was just so much work. I was like, I'm never going to be able to pump enough for any long stretch of time. I, I'd never actually said that, but it's kind of a little bit how I felt Uh, And then as time goes on and she starts eating more and truly emptying um, each breast, then I was able, my body started producing more milk. And now in the mornings when I pump, I pump sometimes between 7 and 8 a.m. After she eats, I go and I pump on the other side. That's just what works for me. And I've started producing much more milk. I mean, gosh, the other day, I think I, I almost produced six ounces from one side and I took a picture of it and I texted it to every mother on almost every mother on my phone. I was like, look at this. It felt like such an achievement. So long, long story made just very slightly longer. I didn't go. We don't have a plan for Austin to feed her at night because it's been so much work to build up enough backlog of milk. Um, And it's just so much easier for me to just go ahead and feed her versus him having to get up and make a bottle and and work with her in that regard. So uh, in in exchange for that, the sleep exchange, right, because I'm up at nighttime, what Austin does is he actually takes the baby at 5 a.m. I feed her sometime around 4.30, between 4.30 and 5. And then he takes Grayson, and this is kind of a tradition, I think, that he wants to start, period, with babies in our house, 
uh, Grayson and of course others if we uh, if we have any more they'll take her into the living room and he just kind of lets her sleep on him and he just has like coffee time with his daughter and it's really sweet so he does that and I get about two hours of sleep knowing that she's cared for someone's looking for her and that just is so restorative um, so that's kind of been our exchange and as far as the milk that I am pumping, I'm using it so that when I do really go back into bigger chunks of work, I'll be able to have milk to leave behind for the sitter. And also if Austin and I start to go out on date nights, I'll have milk aside for him. So that's our plan. Long story made super long. I'm so sorry. Okay, next question. Lake Cat asks, could you give two or three examples of what you eat over the course of a day as a new and nursing mom? I would be happy to. So the course of a day. I probably start off in the morning I wake up, uh, let's say if it's one of those scenarios where Austin takes her, um, so I probably roll out of bed at about 7 a.m., which is late for me. It's weird to say that because I'm a very early riser, uh, but lately it's been about 7 a.m. with this newborn uh, lifestyle, and I will grab some sort of a fruit bar uh, or a fresh piece of fruit would be good too, but I like I wake up hungry. You know, you've just nursed all night long or that's what I have done. And so I'll grab a fruit bar. If you've ever heard of them, they're called That's It. The That's It bars. I have, oh gosh, I have a smorgasbord of those. And it's apple and one other fruit and that's it. Brilliant branding. Uh, so I'll grab one of those. They're pretty small. Just gives me a little fruit in my tummy. And then I'll grab a cup of coffee. And so I have that very first snack when I wake up. And then for breakfast, we usually have some sort of, I make sure there's always some sort of protein, some sort of a starch and then another, some sort of fruit, and then if possible, some sort of a vegetable. Uh, and those vegetables and the starches are usually leftovers from either dinners or previous breakfasts. So for example, and you can pull up my Instagram and get an, get an idea of breakfast, uh, but let's say on the least extravagant days, it's usually gonna be a couple fried eggs or scrambled eggs, maybe a banana with some peanut butter or almond butter, whatever works for you and then like a cup of grapefruit juice. I really like grapefruit juice for a lot of reasons, but that could be a whole nother podcast episode. Um, okay, so, and gosh, that's, a, that's about it on the squinchiest days. On the more extravagant days, I would say eggs, some sort of a breakfast meat, maybe whether it's sausage or chorizo or bacon, and then um, another piece of veggie fat, you know, whether it's some coconut or a small piece of an avocado. Potatoes, I love those for breakfast as a really good starch. Plantains are a good starch. And then another piece of fruit. And then, of course, I'm a huge fan of lemony kale. I like to get those veggies in early in the morning. So we'll chop up a bag or I'll get a bag of pre-chopped and washed organic kale. And we'll saute that with a little butter or maybe in some bacon fat and then cover it with a good amount of lemon juice and some sea salt. And it's delicious. So that would be a big breakfast. And something like that will really hold me over until lunchtime. And then around lunchtime, I have a huge stash of freezer meals. So what Austin and I will usually do is I will break out a freezer meal. One of the ones from, my, uh, from our deep freeze, some of my favorite ones that I've enjoyed lately have been, of course, my casseroles. So if you pull up my blog and anything that I've made or published in the last three-ish months, is in my freezer as a, as a freezer meal because we, we got prepared for the maternity leave for my blog, wrote and produced all those recipes, and then I stored them as meals. So things like the Dublin Coddle that went live recently, that makes a fantastic freezer meal, so I'll reheat that. Soups, minestrone soups been one of our favorites. It made a lot. Uh, things like that. 
defrost enjoy for lunch and that's really quick and easy and it's really healthy and then for dinner or in the between <laughs> this is where things get a little I'm just gonna admit it between lunch and dinner I do have an afternoon snack um, when Grayson was really young and I was my body was metabolically shifting to learn how to make milk nutrient-dense milk for this little baby I was much hungrier than I am now which is funny because my milk production has actually increased and my appetite has slowly started to stabilize. But at the beginning, around mid-afternoon, I would be ravenous again and I would either have um, like a big big apple with a bunch of peanut butter or, uh, goodness, or I'd have a whole protein bar. Those perfect bars, for example, I had a bunch of those and so I would enjoy one of those. And now that my metabolism is stabilized, but I still kind of like a little bit of a snack, I'm having a few squares of a really dark chocolate. I treat, it's kind of my afternoon treat. I have a few squares of really dark chocolate. I have a giant sparkling water, right? One of those that comes in the liter. I think it's a liter. Uh, and, and then I take my vitamins. And my vitamins, because they're gummy vitamins, almost taste like they essentially are candy. So I have those. I have like a little candy treat in the afternoon. And then for dinner, my favorite thing to do for dinner, if we either do a freezer meal, um, when baby was, when she was just home, folks were bringing us dinner, so we'd have really lovely warm meals from friends uh, in the area. And now that things are a little bit easier and I'm able to cook again, which I really missed, I will defrost some sort of a protein, whether it's a piece of fish or some steaks or chicken, and we'll cook that up and I'll serve it over some sort of a starch, whether it's rice or potatoes or squash and next to some sort of a vegetable and maybe those are sauteed peppers or kale or spinach or something like that. Grayson doesn't really have any that I've noticed reaction to, to cruciferous vegetables or peppers and I've really been diligent about watching for that and so I've, I've freed myself up to eat a few more things. I think this is a great spot to stop and hear from one of our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends at ButcherBox. ButcherBox delivers grass-fed, grass-finished, pastured beef, chicken, and heritage breed pork to your door each month. The animals are humanely raised and are never introduced to hormones or antibiotics. I have been a loyal fan and customer of ButcherBox for over a year now and love my monthly ButcherBox delivery because it helps me get healthy, nutrient-packed protein on my table with ease. To order your own ButcherBox, head to www.butcherbox.com forward slash fed and fit podcast where you can get $15 off plus free bacon with your order. Again, that's www.butcherbox.com forward slash fed and fit podcast for $15 off and free bacon with your order. Okay, another epically long answer. I'm going to keep rolling. Okay, next question um, from Kissy Leah. Goodness, I hope I, I said that correctly. Okay, she said, I would also like to know, oh, two, two folks asked us, I'd also like to know what foods to eat slash avoid and how to still eat healthy with enough calories to nurse again for baby number two in case she has the same issues as the first. Okay, maybe let me make sure I read this question correctly. I'd also like to know what foods to eat slash avoid and how to still eat healthy with enough calories to nurse again. Hmm, okay, I might have to come back 
to this question. Oh, I see. This is an add-on question. The first question that was asked, are you able to continue eating everything normally while breastfeeding? It seems all of mine are sensitive stomachs. I've had to cut out dairy, some greens, onions, peppers, nothing too acidic and minimal sweets. Otherwise, gassy city and lots of pain for the little one. Poor babies. Oh, that's so hard to see your baby struggling with gas. Um, goodness, you know, this is a great question and I understand the add-on. Um, how to eat enough calories to nurse again for baby two in case she has the same issues as the first. I see. I get it. So when you're having to restrict your food so much, how do you eat enough food in order to really supply for yourself and for your baby? I absolutely get it. You don't want to drop too much weight. I'm in that boat right now because I am turning 32 on Tuesday. This episode goes live on Monday. So tomorrow is my birthday, turning 32. And Grayson is our first, and we know that we would love to have more babies if possible. And so I am in no rush to, quote, you know, really restrict or diet or anything like that. I'd rather keep my body nice and plush, <laughs> that's appropriate, and healthy so that um, there's plenty of, uh, there's really good nutrients for maybe a second baby coming up. So, and who knows, who knows what the Lord has planned for us, but that's, uh, we're prepared for it just in case we're preparing for it. Um, so eating with that in mind, wanting to be as healthy as possible, not gain too much weight, but definitely not lose weight is kind of where I'm at. And I, I feel like that's something similar. And also how do you navigate food sensitivities? You know what, if, if your baby has a reaction to a food that you're eating and you're positive, that's what's happening, then go for it. There is some science out there though, that says, cause the old adage is whatever makes mom gassy will make baby gassy. And while that makes sense on some level, there's also an element of the fact that what you're eating, what's causing you to be gassy is the flora digesting those proteins from um, the foods that you're consuming, right? So the broccoli is going to cause gas pain in you. But those same exact proteins don't necessarily show up in that same form in breast milk. And so your baby may not be having gas as it's related so closely, right? It may not be as clear cut as we once thought. So I recommend doing a little research, dig into that a little bit. Um, they have shown, some studies have shown that, of course, uh, dairy proteins actually will uh, transfer into breast milk and your child could have some sort of reaction to those particular dairy proteins. So maybe look at dairy first and see if you cut that out, if it helps relieve gas. But it's a possible that the cruciferous vegetables and the peppers may, may be unrelated um, but again, you know your body best and you know your baby best. So if that's what's happening, then that's what's happening. Um, so how do you navigate around that? I would encourage you to just go to the grocery store and see what else is available, right? Um, outside, I'm, I started eating a whole lot more spinach because I too was trying to navigate the gas. And it turns out uh, Grayson was just, babies are gassy. Babies are just going to have gas. And the younger they are, of course, the more painful it is. Sometimes they swallow air when they're breastfeeding. And if they don't burp it all up, then, you know, it's eventually going to come out somewhere. So, um, and if they're using a pacifier, they're probably swallowing gas. When they cry, they probably swallow air or gas. Uh, so, you know, a lot of things can contribute to that. So we just started watching for that. But I did mix up my foods, spinach, more, uh, more lettuce type leaves instead of uh, big, thick, thick, leafy greens like collards and kale, which are actually part of the cruciferous vegetable family. Um, what else did we eat a lot of? We ate a lot of plantains. I did some white rice and, um, oh man, I'm blanking. There's some good stuff out there. I would say just go to the grocery store and see what else is available. 
Okay. And then, and then eat when you're hungry, right? Don't restrict yourself. Your body's going to tell you as far as getting enough food and your body's going to tell you when to eat and it's going to tell you when not to eat, right? So pay attention to those hunger cues. And just like if you've ever gone through any sort of a, like a paleo introduction, or you've done maybe the fed and fit project where you kind of have to detox from refined sugars, um, you know, if you stop and think about it, am I actually hungry right now? Or is my body craving sugar because I'm addicted to sugar? Okay, so it's okay to not feed your body when it's just wanting a sugar hit. But if you're truly hungry, eat. And what things to eat would be fruit, right? Um, Some sort of fat, whether that's some sort of a nut butter. Or if you are tolerating dairy, some cheese, something like that. Yogurt. Um, Eat when you're hungry. If you're addicted to sugar, then try to not indulge. Then that's kind of how you toe that fine line. Don't let yourself go hungry while you're breastfeeding. Okay. Quince510 uh, asks, what's been the most challenging and or surprising thing about postpartum period for you? Anything you would have done differently to prepare? Um, whew, what has been the most surprising thing? You know, I almost don't want to say this because in some ways, ignorance is a little bit of bliss. But I had a vaginal birth and um, or it was a vaginal delivery And she was a big baby without going too gory into the specifics. She was a nine pound baby. And I, I did not anticipate the physical recovery that I was going to go through as the mama, right? I knew that coming home from the hospital would be a huge transition for our baby and in our whole family in terms of this is so much newness. What I didn't necessarily anticipate was the fact that I was going to be recovering physically as well. I knew that I'd be recovering, right? That's on, you kind of, you understand that, but I didn't really anticipate some of the pain that went along with that um, just from damage that was done, <laughs> having a giant baby uh, and I'm not that big of a person. So, uh, and everything's fine. It was, it was a pretty textbook delivery. So everything was great, but um, there was there was some repercussions. So I would say that I did not necessarily anticipate the amount of pain that I would be in. I also did not necessarily anticipate the headaches that I would have when I came home. I had horrible migraines when I was in my first trimester. My whole life I've gotten pretty bad hormonal headaches. Um, those have cleared up a lot with my diet changes and working out and staying hydrated and getting enough sleep. But coming home with a baby... Uh, irregular sleep schedules, eating just kind of sporadically as much as possible and trying to keep it as healthy as possible, but it was kind of all over the map. And then hormonal changes that were happening in the body, I had headaches again and, and that kind of surprised me. But what I would do differently, I don't know, you know, I, um, I gosh, you know what? I think I would have liked more visitors. I think that's something that I would have done differently. Everything else I felt like we prepared for really, really well. We did, we had the, the deep freeze full of freezer meals. We had all the baby gear set up. We had plans in, involved. Um, our house was stocked. You know, we had family that was um, really supportive and wonderful for us. And I had heard from some of my friends and family, or some of my friends who, of course, have had babies, said that they always preferred they had had less visitors, they didn't want visitors at the hospital because right, they just went through something pretty traumatic and personal. And even though these might have been good friends, they're kind of coming and seeing you when 
you're really recovering from something significant and your baby is we she was born in the middle of January which was in the middle of an epic flu season at least in San Antonio and we wanted to minimize risk but I do still think that the visitors would have been nice and I wish I kind of had spaced those out and invited more people over um, because it was it was a little lonely after a while because of flu season we stayed home for a good uh, six weeks with her before we started venturing out a little bit and and I kind of just you know one friend came over at one point in time and brought me a decaf cappuccino from the coffee shop that I love so much and I just wanted to cry when she walked in the house because we had enough food but goodness I just wanted that decaf cappuccino so I think having visitors at least for me I'm very much an extrovert and I I like my cup fills up when I'm around other people and I think that that would have been great okay um Tansy Spina I hope I said that right. How do you plan to lose baby weight and ease back into working out? I'm due in 12 weeks and was considering counting macros to help with portion control. I already eat mostly paleo. Any thoughts or advice would be great. You know, it depends on your plans. Austin and I, man, this is a real tell-all. Austin and I would like to have our start our family, start growing our family again pretty much as quickly as possible. I'm in really good health. It was a really easy pregnancy, knock on wood. Um, and easy delivery. And so we are, we're ready to continue to add, uh, if possible, like I said before. So my scenario is a little bit different. I don't want to lose that, uh, what I gained during pregnancy. I don't want to lose all of it too quickly because if I do that, there's a good chance that my body, um, it has an impact on my body hormonally and keeps me from starting up being able to conceive again. Uh, which is something that had happened previously in my life when I got uh, too lean in, in, in college. My period stopped, for example. And so your body will start to prioritize certain systems. And your reproductive system is one of the first to go, women, when, when um, the body's working really hard to stay healthy elsewhere. So that's important to me. And so I'm not really concerned with losing a whole bunch of baby weight. And I'm not going to obsess about it. I'm just going to appreciate my body for what it is right now and it's going it's a it was a home for Grayson and a really healthy one it had a really healthy baby and I'm really proud of it it did amazing things it looks much different now than it did a year ago before I conceived but that's okay this is a season and it's going to keep holding hopefully more babies and we'll just see where it goes but I'm really not in a rush and I'm trying not to think about the shape of my body I'm really trusting the postpartum process because it can take time to lose weight and I think that if we objectify a little too too much uh, we might feel defeated because sometimes some women um, without even trying their bodies go back to where they were before very easily and other women they need to finish breastfeeding before they go back or their bodies start to readjust so you could fall anywhere on the spectrum and although we can plan and you know track macros or calories and really stay on top of it it's really hard to gauge now things that you can't that I am doing best practices is I'm avoiding refined carbohydrates with the exception of the occasional white rice um, I've although I'm 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 high carb I have a high carb diet but I'm trying to avoid refined carbs if that makes sense so I still eat lots of whole food carbohydrates potatoes squashes plantains uh, so on and so forth. So I'm trying to not indulge overly in refined carbohydrates. I'm still eating plenty. I'm eating when my body's hungry, staying following a paleo type template or what I call my perfect you plan, which includes some dairy and things like that because it works for my body. So that's kind of how I'm navigating that. 
and easing back into working out. Um, you know, I would, and someone, uh, teacher fit Jess asked, what is your plan for postpartum fitness? Good questions. Um, man, you know, when I was six weeks, we went to the doctor and of course she gave me my green light. She says, you're healing marvelously. You're ready to work out. And that day we got a delivery. Remember we came home and I was toying with the idea of, I wonder what, cause I, I like classes. I like to go to yoga class. I like to go to CrossFit class. And I was toying with the idea of like, what class am I going to go back to? And the doorbell rang and I wasn't holding the baby at the time. And for whatever reason, I had to jog to the door. And I remember jogging to the door and just that jog, if anyone's been through this postpartum, my body just felt different. And I was, I knew at that moment I was not ready to go for a run. Like my, I'm just not ready. So my plan is to pay attention to go when my body feels more solid and like it's really readjusted and feels more secure. My core feels secure. And I'm gonna of course continue to nurture that. Brianna Battles has a fabulous postpartum fitness program. Uh, go to her website to learn more about that. She talks, talks a lot about and teaches you how to do really good slow integrative workouts that will help you build that um, heal and build back up to be able to do more workouts. So I'm roughly following that from home, but I'm also going to start going to back to CrossFit pretty quickly now. She's eight weeks and Austin and I were talking about plans. So a few times a week, at least I'm going to go, I'm decidedly loafing it. I'm going to take it very, very easy and just do what feels right. My, my bias is I always do less. I don't overexert myself. So that's a, that's a safe thing for me to do. Um, so I'm just going to go take it easy and, and then just slowly progress. I hope that was a good enough answer. Okay. Another question, um, is Gray a good sleeper? Any tips or tricks for getting baby to sleep? New mom here. You're struggling with getting baby to sleep. She always looks so peaceful. Well, you know, the pictures that I take when she looks peaceful, it's because I, she's peaceful and I can take a picture, but there are plenty of opportunities where she's not. Um, you know, she is a good sleeper at nighttime. Thankfully she sleeps well. I still, she, she'll squirm a couple times at night signifying to me that she's hungry. I feed her. She never fully wakes up. I feed her and then I lay her back down and she sleeps. So I would say she's a good sleeper in that regard. Um, but during the day, I, she's not a great napper. She's, uh, it's hard. Our family's still trying to find our groove in that regard. And we've got some plans in action. Um, so as far as advice, I am really not a pro at this. Um, I think that we started the swat. We tried a bunch of different swaddles and tried putting her down a bunch of different ways. Um, I would just say keep experimenting, read some stuff out there. See, and you're going to find exact conflicting information. Some people are going to give you advice to do one thing one way, and other folks are going to give you advice to do it the exact opposite. So, I would say go with what resonates with you. ID Paolo asks, "What is your favorite baby registry item that you couldn't live without?" I'm going to miss something, I'm sure, but what, let's see. Um, I would say a, a carrier, a baby carrier that you can wear, whether it is the, and there's a bunch of options out there. I've so far tried almost all of them. I have a sling on order right now. That's the ring sling. Uh, so I'll be able to try that and give a testimonial. And I have a full baby carrier post coming up that I'm very taking my time planning, but I would say some sort of a baby wearing device, whether it's the Ergo, if you like something really structured that your husband will probably also feel comfortable wearing. The Solly Baby Wrap is lovely. It's very soft, great for especially little babies. Um, it's great for, it's good as they grow a little bit older as well, but it was great when she was really tiny and snuggly. 
Um, I like that one for wearing around the house. And then there's the Boppy Comfy Fit Carrier that I love. I just had talked about on the blog yesterday. And it is kind of a combination between the structure of the Ergo and the softness of the Solly. So I would recommend looking at something like that. But baby wearing has been a huge lifesaver. I get to take her to the grocery store in it. It gives me both hands free. I can do housework. She can nap. I can go for walks with Gus. It's just been a total game changer. Okay, next question from Iowa Alley 85. When you research a healthy or health or baby topic, where do you first start? Feel overwhelmed with all the sources available and struggle to weed through the good and the bad. Oh man, you're not going to like my answer, Allie, but um, I, I started just like you, uh, especially with baby stuff because I was unencumbered with the facts when I first started researching all this um, I didn't really know who were the best resources out there aside from personal friends. Uh, and I would, I would just ask, I, it was a combination. I would sit down, I would Google and start to weed through information that way. And the more you read, the more you start to see trends, you know, what maybe is, um, I guess what advice, oh gosh, how do I, how do I word this? You'll start to see trends between certain types of advice out there that sounds very clinical and then advice based on real experience. And so you'll start to pick up on some of those trends and I would just take note and I would store all that in the back of my mind and say, in case I can use this later with our baby, because, you know, she's going to be her own person and we're going to have our own habits and our family is going to adapt and, and conform to what it's supposed to look like. So I would combine lots and lots of research online, uh, spanning the full spectrum with uh, friends. I would call up people. I'm constantly calling up friends and family members who I trust um, with to ask hard questions, right? Because you don't want to call everybody and ask them a question, but people who I really trust, I trust how they do their research and how they maybe make decisions. Liz Wolf is a great example. She's been a wonderful friend through this experience. Um, and she has some great resources on her blog, realfoodlist.com. So I would look that up if you want to kind of peruse some of her baby articles. Um, but I'm lucky enough to be able to, to get in touch with her and ask her some questions. She's been instrumental. Some, um, my, my sweet friend, Amber, my sister-in-law, Shireen, you know, there are some people that I just have in my pocket and I constantly call and say, did you ever have this happen? And what did you do? Like, did cabbage leaves really work for you? If you ever had an issue with, um, painful or inflamed breast tissue, right? And so it's those people who you can call up, you know, they're going to give you the skinny, they're going to be straight shooters. They know you, they know your life and your family. So it was a combination of learning what all the internet had to teach me, combining with my own real experience, and then bouncing that again off of actual friends and family members. Because at that point, I could data collect and figure out what was best for us. And at the end of the day, know that you're not going to get all the answers from an article and you're not going to get all the answers from a friend. You're going to figure out what works best for you. And that's so intimidating because you're essentially jumping blind into this. But I, but that's why they always say parenting doesn't come with a manual. I totally get it because every single baby is so different. Next question. Are you able to continue eating everything normally while breastfeeding? It seems all of mine are sensitive stomach. Oh, we answered that one. Woo, next one. Okay, Real Food Y'all asks... Also would love an update on your registry now that Gray is here. The items you didn't use and some of the items you are very thankful to have. We're planning for a little one and totally overwhelmed by all the options. Trying to be smart but smart but minimal. Um, and also know that every baby needs 
is different in their needs. I mean, that's a you have so much great awareness right there already. Um, some of the things that we have not used quite as much. Let's see. Our bassinet so far has not gotten a whole lot of use, but I'm still optimistic it's going to get more use. Like I said, our sleeping arrangements have varied from um, a good deal of very safe co-sleeping methods. Um, and the bassinet's just right there and we're very close to transitioning her over there. But so far, two months in, hasn't gotten a whole lot of use. So I will report back. And I do have plans on keeping that baby registry post updated. Um, so in another month, once we're done through this fourth trimester, right, the first three months of baby's life, I'll go back in and update what really worked for us during the newborn phase. Okay, let's see. SKH Williamson asks, best advice for first-time mama, especially in the first few weeks home. Um, best advice. Number one, ask for help. Definitely ask for help and tell people you're going to ask for help. That was huge. I would say always have a cup of water nearby. That was something that I wound up getting one of those giant Yeti cups and I ordered one of the handles that clips onto it and a straw that I could stick into the lid because I was constantly getting up and trying to find water. I was constantly thirsty going through the postpartum process, you're detoxing, essentially being pregnant, and you're also trying to uh, create breast milk. And so I was constantly thirsty, thirstier than when I was pregnant. And having a cup of water next to me while I was lounging on our giant couch with baby wasn't as practical. So having something really giant with a lid that I could wedge into the couch cushions right next to me was helpful. I would say do that. Um, don't skip a meal. Make sure you're eating as much um, really good, healthy fruits and vegetables as much as possible. Have healthy fruit around the house so you don't get into a habit of just snacking on junk food. I've done it. I'm not. I'm not trying to vilify it, but it's always much nicer, and I'm more grateful when I when I look back and I had fruit instead of those cookies, uh, the break and bake gluten free cookies that I was eyeing. Um, okay, trying to get through the rest of these really quickly. I know we're going over. Um, baby sleep. Are you trying any schedules or any sleep books? Just going with the flow. We are mostly just going with the flow. Um, Key Quest 722 asks this. Mostly going with the flow. I've researched a bunch of different baby sleep schedules. Mom's on calls once out there, of course, that I came across most recently. Um, we're going with it. We're just kind of trying. This is baby number one. So we have the luxury of lots of flexibility. I'm sure that when there are more feet on the ground, it's going to be a little bit different. But with this one, we're just going with the flow. So far, I'm sure I might have a different answer in the future. Amy VV821 asks, what are you going to feed Gray when she's old enough to eat? Um, ooh, that's a good question. I have more research to do on the topic, and I will probably plan a podcast episode or at least a blog post when we get there. Uh, but it's a good question. I will get back to you on that. Anna Basel asks, registry update, what's been helpful? Um, again, that's another good question. I would, I will update that registry, but like I said before, I would say the Docatot was instrumental, um, and the rock and play, um, baby items must have from Mrs. Um, Heather P. Uh, again, I would say those same items. What are some other ones that I've really enjoyed? You know, I got a lot of organic white onesies because, I just wanted something easy for her to wear, not have to fuss over cutesy outfits when she was really young. Actually, I got them in all the sizes, but Gerber makes organic white onesies, and they're also linked on my baby registry. We have loved those, and we've put her in those several times a week. It's been really easy to wash, so I would say that's another one I would add to the must-have list. Swaddle blankets have been really helpful. What else? Oh, the... Um, 
the Beauty Counter Baby Wash has been my favorite baby wash that I've used so far. So I would say that's another one that I would make sure to have. Okay, and then last question. Christina Chance asks, I'm curious how cloth diapering mixed with disposable is going or if you're following through with that plan. I'm doing it due in June and was considering something similar and I'm just curious how you're making it work. Good question. She's still in disposable, um, but she is very, very quickly outgrowing um, this last size. So we will keep you posted. We have not put her in a cloth yet because the ones that we have are still a little big. In case you're unfamiliar, and I talked about this in my registry post, but what we decided to do was our plans are to ultimately cloth diaper, or at least at least give it a go and see what happens. I know it doesn't work for everybody. Um, but to, to start, instead of buying a whole you know, load of newborn cloth diapers, uh, which can be extremely expensive, and we did the math even if we had four kids, it'd be difficult to uh, gain that investment back compared to what we'd be spending on disposables. Um, so while she was newborn, we decided to go with disposable. The bamboo diapers is our favorite. Again, also linked to my baby registry post. Um, so we went with those for newborn and she's almost out of, we decided to stick with those through size two. And then as soon as she outgrows these, we're gonna try her in her cloth diapers, which will continue to grow with her as she gets bigger. So I will report back, but that's, that's how we've been doing so far. The diapers have worked really well for us. Okay, well that's it for the baby segment of this Q&A. I hope you guys found it helpful. And uh, please keep the questions up. If you have questions about this episode, leave a comment on the blog post. That would be the best place for this episode. And as always, hope you have a wonderful week. We'll be back again next Monday.